invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. If you need a Bible this morning, simply slip up your hand. Uh, Dean is ready to give you one. We're going to read two verses. Uh, I'll read them uh, for you from chapter 2, and then we'll go through this passage this morning. Uh, We're in Philippians chapter 2, specifically verse 17 and 18. And can I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word? I draw your attention this morning to verse 17 and 18. I'd like to read it for you. The Apostle Paul writes and he says this. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Will you pray with me? Lord, once again, just thanking you for your word, for the work of your spirit, even at this moment. Lift it from the page, Lord. Cause our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our heart to receive that which you have for your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please be seated. As we approach this final section of chapter 2, the writer is going to mention two other men, uh, as well as himself, as he communicates to the Christians in Philippi. But it seemed to me, going through verses 17 all the way to verse 30, that there was a theme somewhat emerging, though only mentioned once, And that theme namely being the sacrifice and service of faith. And I'd like to talk with you this morning about that by itself and in the context of the passage and the verses that are before us. The sacrifice and service of faith. What is the sacrifice and the service of faith that Paul mentioned? How do these things apply in your life this morning or looking forward in the days and weeks ahead? And finally, if something emerges as you're reading, as we're studying together, something emerges that that is fresh to you, will you allow its meaning to find its course in your heart? I'd like to answer the first question this morning in the passage as we look at three men uh, that are dealt with. And the first, of course, is Paul himself. What is the sacrifice and service of faith? He said in verse 17, if I am being poured out as a drink offering... There's much to be understood and known about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. uh, But concerning this thing called the sacrifice 
and service of faith, it's very concise, the description that, uh, as it relates to the Apostle Paul, it's very concise what it is or was, rather, in his life, right next door. If you take your eyes and you travel just to the right on the same page of the text, you will notice that there's a chapter that begins in chapter 3. And if I can draw your eyes down to verse 4 of chapter 3, we're going to read right here what this meant in the Apostle Paul's life. He said in verse 4 of chapter 3, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But he says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. What this clear description means could be difficult for us today in this culture. It could be hard to transpose its reality into our daily lives today. I will try to do so. But when you think about meeting someone that you don't know very well, if you've said hello to a neighbor or someone at the gas station or maybe in the grocery store, and you bump into someone, you say, oh, excuse me, uh, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How, what are the, like, the, you know, the top three questions? Oh, what's your name? Oh, what do you do for a living? Uh, do you have any hobbies? You like sports. Are you married? You know, we, we ask these generic kind of surface questions. We may not mean them surface, surfacely, but they are indeed peripheral questions. In Paul's day, there were two things that were paramountly important to understand who an individual was. It was their family and the town from which they came. And here the Apostle Paul is talking about his family, his lineage, his background, when he says that of, of the family, he, he says, circumcised the eighth day. In other words, to every Jew that wants the credit card announcement that they are valid and that they have been 
following the law all their life, even before Paul was able to make the decision to be that paramount follower of Jewish Judaism law on the eighth day he was circumcised. Having come from the town of Tarsus, we knew him to be named Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul the Apostle. His Tarsus background It was a very progressive city. It was a luxurious city. And his parents would have been wealthy. When we think about Paul's background, his family line, when he says, of the tribe of Benjamin. That was no small tribe to be from. Uh, To try and compare it in our thinking this day and age, your own personal opinion of the current administration set aside if you were a part of the Biden family, the Kennedy family, the Bush family, the Reagan family. That would have meant something. That that lineage, that heritage would have been noteworthy. This is the kind of thing the apostle talking about. Of the tribe of Benjamin. His position, when he says, a Hebrew of the Hebrews and concerning the law, a Pharisee. That was a high, uh, elevated religious place, but it also had a high elevation in society. As if, uh, again, your opinion of a current administrator, a governor a congressman. It's the kind of weight as a Pharisee he had. The kind of lineage from the tribe of Benjamin that he had. Zeal. If someone wanted to talk about being zealous for the things of God as we move from just family lineage and, and social Impact into the religious sector, which was um, one and the same in Israel in Paul's day. When he says zealous, he was persecuting the church, New Testament Christians. As, as a Pharisee, as a leader of Judaism, he persecuted Christians. You see someone who is zealous for the things of God. Today we might think of the late Billy Graham. And now his son Franklin, founder of Calvary Chapel Movement, Pastor Chuck Smith, the late Pastor Chuck Smith. John MacArthur, Greg Laurie. And the list goes on of men Women that, that are zealous for the things of God, if, if I can help us put our, our mind, you know, to compare this kind of thing. And yet at the top of his list was spiritual pride. Because according to the law, he was blameless. So if you walked in this morning, you're trying to comprehend and understand what what all of this meant about 
sacrifice and service of faith. Think of this young man who one day on a road to Damascus has an encounter with the living Christ, resurrected. And all of that major background, all of that stuff that would count for something in this world. If I were to ask you, what counts for something in your life and in your home this morning? What is it that you hold dear and that you think valuable and, and equitable uh, attached to your name and your lineage and your, your thinking? Think of all of that. Put it all in a little package and bring it right now before you because that was Paul. And on that Damascus road, he entered Christ's presence. And all of that stuff had to fall away as he fell down. And said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Every day, every moment, willing to set all that you are and that you have comprised as being important to be able to set that aside. is what Paul's talking about in the sacrifice and service of faith. A life poured out. But we would do well to remember the second man that he references here, and that's, of course, Timothy. I want to draw your attention to verse 19 of chapter 2. He says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me, but I, I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Here Paul draws the attention of the Philippian reader, the Philippian Christian, the one who would have maybe not even read this note that Epaphrodites would bring back. Uh, they would listen to it read. He draws attention to Timothy. And though we know very uh, little uh, in detail about Timothy, it is true that his sacrifice and service of faith seems to emerge to the surface here. Why? Well, uh, several areas of Scripture of the New Testament help define that for us. As a native of Derbe or Lystra, Timothy's mother, his, her name was Eunice, and she was a Jew. His grandmother's name was Lois. Timothy's father was Greek, though, and that was supported by the fact that Timothy was never circumcised. Therefore, he was probably raised in Greek culture. Now, we don't know exactly when 
uh, Timothy received Christ. We do know that on Paul's second missionary journey, as he came into that, that city in that area, he saw in this young man, Timothy, something that caused him to, to know this young man would be very valuable in the service of the kingdom of God. One commentator, Barclay, put it this way. He saw in Timothy one in whom he could clearly use in the service of Jesus Christ. But it would be a sacrifice. Because to Timothy's credit, Timothy began this uh, arduous lifestyle of traveling with the Apostle Paul. We know that he was with Paul in Philippi, Thessalonica and Berea, according to Acts chapter 17. He was with Paul in Corinth and Ephesus, according to Acts 18. He was with Paul there when Paul was imprisoned in Rome, no doubt probably writing this letter as Paul dictates, and associated with having written no fewer than five of the apostles' letters. Whenever the apostle Paul needed information about a, a particular city that Paul had already been to, whenever he needed uh, to send advice to that city or even a rebuke to that group of Christians or a messenger, he knew that that message was safe in the hands of Timothy because Timothy had one desire only to serve the apostle and to serve Christ. In other words, he was content to be second. When we talk about the sacrifice and service of Timothy, we find in Timothy one who was content to just be second. To play second fiddle in the orchestra of serving God. Are you this morning willing to be second? I remember years ago when this work had begun to take off, growing and families coming and uh, me, an ex-dope addict, Time in prison, well, not prison, but jail. Uneducated, no high school graduation, but a clear call from God to come to this community and, and start a Bible study that would inevitably plant a church that today is called Calvary Chapel of Valley Springs. I felt, and at times still do, feel so unqualified, insufficient, not able for the task. And I was on the phone to my previous pastor years, Pastor George over in Jackson, Warehouse Christian Ministry, and I said, George, I'm not sure I'm up for this, man. I said, How about if I just come back and be an assistant to you? And he said, oh, Art, he said, you'll never go back. And what he meant by that is that 
though I stand before you today in this place as your pastor, one of my greatest joys in my Christian life was was serving in children's ministry in Jackson. It was just a place of second. Taking the broom and, and sweeping the halls, flushing the toilet. I love being second. If I could be second, I would be second. But for some uncanny reason, God has me standing here in front of you today as an under-shepherd to Jesus. So it is, it is unusual for me to ask you this, but I say to you, are you willing to just be second? Serve where God wants you to serve. Are you actively wrapping your hands around the work of Christ in a given body of believers, perhaps this church? Some of the work days recently have been so delightful and almost killing you physically, but, you know, a a joy. Timothy's value was that he was content being second. That was his sacrifice and service of faith. We'll close this morning with the third man in the passage. And I bring your attention to verse 25. We're going to speak of Epaphrodites, of course. In verse 25, Paul's writing and he says, Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Yes, Paul's sacrifice of service was to leave everything that meant anything behind. Timothy's sacrifice and service of faith was this willingness to just be second and do what was needed. We come to Epaphrodites and we have a very beautiful story in this man. When the Philippians heard that Paul was imprisoned, they sent this gift, as we've studied the last several weeks. And they sent this gift to Paul by the hand of Epaphrodites. But when they made Epaphrodites the delegate to bring the gift, they weren't just intending that we'll call him E. That E shows up and then leaves. No, as the delegate, Bringing the gift, Epaphrodites was was intending, and the Philippian Christians were intending, 
that Epaphrodites would stay and be Paul's personal assistant. Now, remember why Paul is there. He's under house arrest because he's going to have to appeal to Caesar under criminal charges from the Jewish community. community. Anyone that would align themselves with this prisoner would more than likely find themselves under the same kind of threat from Rome that the prisoner would be. So here we have this very brave man. I mean, he's willing to come and put himself kind of in harm's way. And he was going to stay and be the assistant, but a problem occurred. What occurred? Epaphrodites became very ill in Rome. Some historians believe that he may have contracted what was called then the Roman fever that swept through Rome and killed many. And Paul knew that it was time for Epaphrodites to go back home to Philippi. But as the delegate who was sent to now be the apostle's assistant, when he arrived back in town, there would be the scorn, the questioning, the wondering, hey, what? What happened? Is Epaphrodites a quitter? You know, why is he coming back? By those who would be wondering. So in these verses that we read, Paul gives a testimonial where every word, listen, every word is carefully chosen. And I want to bring our attention to three of them in closing this morning. Epaphrodites stood on the firing line. In other words, he was not only brother, fellow worker, but fellow soldier, as one commentator says that he was in sympathy with Paul in every way. But Paul uses these three words that are very interesting to bring a picture to us of the sacrifice and service of Epaphrodites' faith. The first comes to us here in, I will call, verse 25, when he uses the word messenger. Brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger. Paul used the word apostolos. It means one who is sent out on an errand. In the Greek language, that's what it meant. But the church the Christians had elevated this word in the Greek vernacular to mean a very powerful and aggressive individual that was serving God. They had been sent out on mission, on a mission for God. And so the Christian usage of this word elevated it here Where Paul uses it, he's ranking Epaphrodites with himself. He is putting this errand man in the same category as himself by application. The second word that's interesting is in that same verse, verse 25, when he says, the one who ministered to my need. If you're taking note this morning... It is an unusual word, translated ministered, also translated in other translations, servant. 
It is a Greek word, I'll try and pronounce it, letigarios. And in the Greek culture, this word was used in a magnificent way. It was used of men during the ancient time that were benefactors of the city they loved. In other words, out of their own expense, they would train athletes. Or perhaps they would support in their own expense a, a drama of a famous poet. Perhaps at their own expense they would actually fit out warships. And these men were the supreme benefactors of the city in which they lived. They were called the Letigeros. And so here Paul uses a great Christian word, apostle, and a magnificent Greek word, letegeros, to give us a picture of Epaphrodites that this guy was uh, held very dear in Paul's heart. When he says in verse 29, receive him in the Lord, hold such men in esteem, he was, in fact, letting the Philippians know Epaphrodites is no quitter. He's coming home because there was a specific need and reason for him to return. And then, to top it off, he uses this third phrase there in verse 30 when he says that he not regarding his life. Interestingly enough, he uses a word in the original language that is phrased parabalustai. And you might find it funny, but it's a gambling word. It's a word that gamblers used to define when they would take everything at the roll of a dice. In other words, a gambler would risk it all. At the throw of a dice, he would be parabalustai. So what Paul's doing here with Epaphroditus is he's silencing all criticism and explaining very clearly that in this man's life, the sacrifice of service of faith was simply that he would go on any errand at his own expense and risk everything to serve the Lord. He would go on any errand at his own expense and risk it all to serve God. I find the pictures in this passage of, of what the sacrifice and service of faith is, and I'll close with this. This morning, your sacrifice and service of your faith. Are you, in our first picture, willing to put everything that you believe to be valuable about yourself to the side and count it as rubbish 
so that nothing will interfere with your knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ? That's a powerful question. You know, the older we get, we build up a lot of stuff. Things that we believe to be important. Are you willing to set it aside that you might gain Christ? Second picture, sacrifice and service of faith. Are you willing to be second? In the circumstance in which you live right now, maybe you're used to calling the shots. Maybe you're used to ordering things at how they're supposed to go. Are you willing for the sake of the kingdom of God to just take a second seat? And lastly, in your sacrifice and service of faith, will you go on any errand at your own expense and risk it all for the glory of God. Man, these are probing questions that I need to revisit for myself. How dare me ask you to ask these questions of yourself if I don't do the same. So this week I'll be probing my heart. Well, What am I willing to set aside? Am I willing to be second? Will I go anywhere at my own expense and risk it all? Oh my goodness. What a sacrifice and service of faith. Hope that's made that passage clear to you. It it clears it up for me. Let's ask the Lord to make it apply in the week ahead, will you? Let's pray. Team? Lord, as we close our time together this morning in your word, and we look at these three examples in scripture, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphrodites, And we see how the Holy Spirit has laid out for us their sacrifice, their service. Lord, we're simply your people this morning. We've come just as we are. And with open hands, open hearts, we ask, O God, as as I might be bold enough to, to intercede with and to pray alongside of, as a family, we ask, Lord, that you would make the application in our lives of these things. We can't do it, Lord, unless you do it. But even this moment, you might be putting your finger on a given thing, Lord, Have your way with us. Cause us to know in each of our lives, individually, what our sacrifice and our service of faith is to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.